and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you become a more effective student. And uh, today, I'm doing another car episode, as you can probably tell from the audio quality. But, yeah, I, these are fun, so you know what? <laughs> Hopefully you like it, because I like to do them. It's fun to talk while driving, and I'm just pulling away from my house right now, headed down to Des Moines to do some work, and uh, today... I'm actually going to talk about how I was able to land an internship at a Fortune 500 company uh, without an interview, actually. So without an interview means they they called me up and they decided to hire me without even interviewing me. Application was all they needed and uh, I was in. So we're going to recount the sequence of events that led to this cool event. Uh, and also I'm going to boil down the experience into seven, I think, tips um, for how you can recreate something similar, or at least increase your chances of getting an internship. So that is what we got in store today, and uh, you can find show notes for this episode, which I believe is 65, at CIGpodcast.com. As always, scroll right down the page until you find the box that has this episode in it, and you will be able to find links summary and ways that you can review and rate the podcast, which is the best way of supporting it. So if you're learning from that, uh, if you're learning from these episodes and interviews and monologues that I do, uh, you can always support the episodes by the show by doing that. So let's dive right in. So basically, uh, the company that I did an internship for was called Principal Financial. They're a big five, Fortune 500 company in Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, I was going to school at Iowa State University. So that's about 30-ish miles up the road from where Principal is. And um, this story starts actually near the end of my freshman year. Uh, I was thinking about internships at the time, and um, I hadn't started applying yet, but I was thinking about them and thinking about hireability. But I had a summer job set up. I was actually going to be uh, a cyclone aide, which uh, I would say is the cyclones are our mascot. But basically, this is the Iowa State way of um, calling, you know, the people who are student orientation workers, I guess you could call it. Uh, my job was to give tours of the campus to people who were going to be incoming freshmen. It was to uh, give sessions where we would do Q&A and answer all the questions that students might have and that parents might have. Uh, we were to help people sign up for classes, all sorts of stuff. It was a really varied job. Uh, I got to live on campus for the summer. It was an incredibly useful experience, I think. It helped me become a better speaker and communicator, helped me become more empathetic and more in tune to the needs of people who, have, uh, or who are going into something that I've been through before. So love that job. If you're if you had the opportunity to be a uh, student orientation worker of some sort, highly recommend it. It's an amazing job, especially if it's your first uh, summer after your freshman year. I, I can't think of a better experience uh, just for building general job readiness skills. I, I learned so much, like team building and leadership and, and communication skills from that job. It was amazing. Um, but before the summer, you know, I was I was doing training for the semester before the summer. So spring semester, I was in uh, training class twice a week. And uh, I was also just taking my normal classes. And I was in a general business course, which was completely useless for me. I'm, I mean, the teacher was awesome, but it was stuff that I had basically taken in high school, like learning the four P's of the marketing mix and that kind of stuff. You know, it wasn't all that useful for me. So, of course, characteristically, um, and I'm not recommending that people do this exact thing. But of course I was distractedly surfing Twitter 
in class instead of paying attention. And I happened to notice that the ISU, uh, Iowa State University, uh, entrepreneurship Twitter account potentially, or maybe it was just the main Iowa State University one, tweeted out a link to an announcement that this company, Principal Financial, was going to be holding this freshman leadership seminar. It was going to be a two-day conference where freshmen from all around the state would come in and get to do sessions on uh, professional skills, learn how to dress for success, yay, business suits, and um, learn how to speak in public and make presentations, interviewing skills, and there would also be the opportunity to get paired up with a mentor and learn about the company, learn about the jobs they did. So I thought, this sounds like a great opportunity. I'm going to sign up for it. I think you had to apply. So I had to kind of write an essay and uh, put in my, my GPA and things like that. And I got accepted about a week later. So funny thing about my name, of course, it's uh, two very common first names, but one of them is masquerading as a last name, unfortunately. And uh, we're getting on the highway here, so forgive any increase in uh, noise. And I'm going to try to merge on with these semi-trucks while also narrating a podcast. We'll see how that goes. Uh, here we go. Three, two, one, and speed up so we don't crash into the Subaru. Yes. Um, applied, got in. That was cool. And so, oh yeah, yeah. First, last name thing. I get to the hotel and saunter up to the front desk and say, hey, Thomas Frank, uh, you got a reservation for me, right? And they're like, no, we don't. <laughs> I don't see it here in the books, sir. Uh, one might it be under a different name? So I'm racking my brain. Like, might, Could it be under the organizer's name? And then I just kind of get an idea. Why don't you try it under Frank Thomas? There it is. So, yeah. When you're a person with two first names, um... You know, about a quarter of the people you meet are going to get it switched around, especially when your last name is shorter in spelling than your first name. So I've got to deal with that. But uh, I would imagine that several of you listening probably have names that are, you know, hard to spell or pronounce or something. And I shouldn't be complaining, but I'm going to do that anyway because I'm the person that talks for a living. So some of that has to be complaining, right? Anyway, got into my hotel. That was fine. And then we start, you know, going through these sessions, learning how to dress for success, like what kind of suits and ties and shoes are... Uh, you know, suitable for a corporate work environment, for interviews and that kind of thing. They do those sessions. But the coolest part, by far, coolest part, uh, I I got paired up with a mentor. Um, Now, the context here is that I was, I believe, the only person in the entire group of students who was majoring in the IT field. Uh, My major is management information systems. It's it's a weird mix of, like, general business and, uh, like, and like computer science, maybe, maybe not computer science. We don't learn a whole lot of programming. Uh, we did learn like networking, computer networking, database administration, some programming, like Java programming, uh, in addition to business analysis, what they call it. So we would have to figure out use cases for IT projects and things like that. Uh, I, was, I was the only person in the major. Everyone else was an accounting major, finance, uh, management, marketing, you know, general business, um, non-nerds, as the MIS people will probably call them. Well, we're busy debating, like, the best strategies for Team Fortress 2 matches. They're talking about sports. So I guess that's the stereotype, at least. It's probably a terrible stereotype. But, uh, yeah, I was the only IT person. So, the cool thing was, uh, you know, I expected to get matched up with some programmer who worked in some department of the company, but I ended up getting matched with the vice president of IT infrastructure of the entire company. Um, 
Now, he wasn't the vice president of all IT because in many big companies, they will separate IT into application development where people are programming and building applications and customer facing things and also infrastructure, which I mean, infrastructure in, in the you know civil engineering sense is your roads and your your uh, your pipes and sewers and the things that generally keep your country running well IT infrastructure is very similar in a, in, you know, in the context of a company it's uh, the networking and the, the servers that run everything the firewalls that keep intruders out and, and the phone systems and email systems and everything that keeps your company running smoothly doesn't really make your company a profit uh, which you know IT guys are always kind of angry about that because they can never get any respect from uh, budget meetings. They don't bring in any money. Um, but yeah, I got matched up with the vice president. It was super cool. I mean, the guy was you know pretty high up in the company and I, I was just this like freshman who got the opportunity to talk to him. Um, and it was actually very cool because uh, I had been working as uh, like a semi next to me and he's making a lot of noise. Very sorry about that. Man, this dude's a speed demon. He's got a truck full of pigs, too. That's fun. Anyway, so I've been working in the uh, solution center at Iowa State, which is their tech support department. I basically did phone support. And, yep, those are pigs. Uh, I did email support. Sometimes went and like removed viruses from people's computers. All sorts of fun stuff. But it was cool because working there gave me some real hands-on experience in IT. And... When I was kind of like off a call and had some downtime, I spent a lot of my time reading sites like Tech Republic, uh, which reported on IT news basically in uh, you know in the like kind of the corporate IT kind of stuff like business IT. Um, I was just interested in it, you know. I also was studying a little bit for an A plus certification, which is kind of like the base certification that computer repair tech people get. I never ended up getting a certification, but I did read about a third of the study book. And in addition, and this is not serious, but I feel like it maybe have helped, would have helped a little bit. I was reading this series of short stories online called the uh, Bastard Operator from Hell series. And it's about these uh, these two guys who work in a you know, fictional company's IT department, where they basically just screw over the company and do whatever they want and try to do as little work as possible and basically screw over anybody who annoys them, which is usually the CEO or the uh, accounting people. It's, it's like a funny malicious Dilbert almost. Um, but it does mention a lot of actual IT terms and, and like the ways that IT business works. It's very obviously written by somebody who works or did work in IT. So, you know, and through reading all these stupid stories and reading Tech Republic articles and uh, learning how to build my own computers and things, uh, you know, and also just reading other books on business and things. Like, I think I'd read the four-hour workweek at this point. Uh, it, it kind of prepared me for this meeting with the mentor. Because instead of just being this wide-eyed freshman who's completely a blank slate and had no idea about anything that goes on in the business world, I came into the meeting with some real-world experience, some actual knowledge on IT practices, and I could basically talk shop with the guy which really impressed him, actually. I mean, he told me this. So we had a great uh, first meeting, uh, and then it started, like, turned into a mentorship. And he said he wanted to meet me, you know, a few times over the summer. Uh, one of the times I came in, he ended up giving me a tour of the company, introduced me to some people in the uh, IT department, and then he gave me a book to read. I think it was Winning by Jack Welch. Jack Welch was the former CEO of uh, GE, I want to say. 
and that was you know a great book um talks about you know management and stuff i made sure to actually do some research on the company on principle and also the general responsibilities of his position so that way during one of the meetings i was able to kind of like knowledgeably ask what he did you know what what, what his job role was and you know what kind of responsibilities he had I, was, I asked about his like you know progression path through the company where he started the type of work that he did now versus when he was actually in the thick of the it work and uh, he kind of showed me some of the documents that they were working on so i got to be in the thick of it a little bit and i wasn't working there i was just doing this uh, mentorship and that was a lot of fun so that lasted the summer I, I came there maybe three or four times i made sure to read the book and i took a bunch of notes on the book um also throughout the summer, I would periodically email him articles from Tech Republic that I found interesting, that I thought he would think uh, was interesting. And he would sometimes read them and, and send me back his thoughts on them. Sometimes he'd send me articles. And we just kind of had like this cool relationship going, which incidentally, I also did this with some professors. Um, and that was also a fruitful thing to do with a marketing professor. I remember um, when, when Portal 2 was about to come out, Steam did this crazy cryptic marketing thing. Uh, if you were, like, if you were a gamer at the time, you might remember Steam had this weird vault page up with these secret codes, and then everyone had to play a lot of Steam games and buy Steam games. And the more they would play these games and buy these games, uh, they would gradually make it so that Portal Two would get released early. And this was a fantastically awesome thing that Valve did. I mean, at least for their bottom line, it was great marketing, and I thought it was really innovative as well so I sent that to my professor and that started a pretty cool relationship as well kind of took me from being a you know just another face in a seat in the lecture hall to being somebody who he knew actually cared about you know marketing and the, the topics he was talking about so uh, but that's kind of like a tangent um, I was doing this with the mentor as well so the summer comes and goes I do my summer job as a cyclone aid I help everyone sign up for classes. I set up the uh, new student orientation event that's going to happen when school starts. Super fun. And then uh, I get back into the swing of things when fall semester of my sophomore year starts. Now, this is a big tip that I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, I don't think this is part of my seven, but what my career counselor told me is that uh, you want to start looking for internships at the beginning of the fall semester before the summer you wish to intern in. So if I wanted to intern in the summer after my sophomore year, then the absolute best time for me to start looking for internships would have been August or September. And you will see this reflected in when companies start posting their job and internship openings on like campus job boards and stuff. They start showing up in fall. Now, not every single industry uh, works like this and not every single company operates in this sort of standard. Some companies like to hire their interns in the spring semester. Some really play it, you know, like close to the chest and like to do it right around when the summer's going to start. But if you want to get an internship, you are best off to be prepared and start looking uh, at the beginning of fall semester. It's going to, it's going to pay off for you. So I did that. I applied for a ton of internships um, I went to every event that I could think of that I could find. I remember like most students will go to the career fair and I remember my mind being blown because I had friends who were like, eh, I'm not going to go to the career fair. Why would I do that? So I went to the career fair in addition to three different networking events within a two day period, uh, shared with the career fair. So 
in addition to the career fair, I was at the uh, MIS specific career fair event the night before the career fair. I also went to, uh, I think there was a, a business fraternity that was only for accounting and MIS majors and finance majors. I went to that uh, event. And then there was also this networking breakfast that you had to apply for. Uh, that was part of the MIS club, I believe. And you could get your resume in a resume book if you submitted it to this club on time. So I did that, went to the networking breakfast. And uh, through doing this, I was able to rub elbows with some of the recruiters that were going to be at the career fair. So by the time I showed up at the career fair, I was a familiar face. So it was just kind of a case of me going up, shaking their hands, being like, hey, guy, you know, I talked to you yesterday. I'm still really interested in your internship program. I'll be applying. Just wanted to, you know, come show up and make sure it's not too much of a boring time in this tent for you. That kind of thing. You know, getting as much face time and as many exposures as possible to the people who are going to make those hiring decisions is, uh, is really, really desirable. So, and I'm just now realizing that, uh, in, in doing this podcast and seeing the recording time on my phone here, it's also sort of informing me how long it actually takes to get from my house to the co-working place that I like to work at. And it's looking like it's only about 20 minutes. Might have to drive around a bit more to get the rest of this recorded. Anyway. Yes. So start in August. Also, uh, I guess this is a second little bonus tip for you because I didn't mention it. Go get your resume reviewed by your career counselor and have an appointment with them. Tell them about your goals. Ask them what you should do. They will give you best practices. Now, I don't think that you know all career counselors will say everything that you should do. For, for instance, I remember a, a career counselor at my school mentioning that it might not be very good to put a whole lot of uh, you know personal things on your personal website. And I disagree. I think it's good to make yourself look human, you know, Um, like talking about world travels and interviews is is something that makes you memorable. So why not say, hey, I like to play tennis on your personal website. So, you know, some of the traditional things kind of stick in in, in the college world. Uh, But for the most part, career counselors are going to give you a lot of great advice. They're going to review your resume and point out things that you didn't think were problems. I distinctly remember thinking my resume was awesome going into that account and then watching her just mark the crap out of it with a red pen. Uh, So definitely take advantage of that. So I go through all this work, right? I do all these networking events. I go to the career fair. I apply for eight different internships. Seven of them call back and say they want to interview me. So I had seven interviews that were uh, lined up. Before the first one even happens, principal calls me up. Uh, it's a recruiter who I had met and went talked to at every event I could. So I know him pretty well. And uh, he said, hey, you know, we got your application. And because we have already, you know, met you and we knew you from the freshman leadership program and you had the mentor and everything, we would like to offer you a position without the interview. So there it is. Um, they offered me the position. They felt that they didn't even need to interview me because I had already made an impression through events where the context of the event wasn't specifically for me to get hired. I wasn't specifically looking for a job. I wasn't asking for a job. I was just there, you know, showing that I appreciated the company, that I was interested in them. And, uh, you know, through that, I built enough of a reputation and image in their minds, a positive one, that they felt confident that they could hire me without an interview. So... There it was. I started the internship the very next summer. Um, You know, it went really well. I met a lot of great people. 
on a side note, also learned that I'm very entrepreneurial and not exactly the kind of person that wants to live in a big uh, or work in a big corporation, but it was a great experience and uh, I was able to get that internship through these tactics. So uh, that's the story here. And what I want to do to round this episode out is I want to boil the uh, my, my story and my, my practices down to seven tips that you can use to drastically increase your chances of getting a great internship or job. So uh, the first one is to be on the lookout for any and all opportunities that you can use to get it in a company or get some experience or, or increase your professional uh, you know, look or your ability to communicate. And the way to do this is to follow all of the channels that are likely to uh, you know, broadcast these opportunities. So that means looking at bulletin boards on campus that mention events like this, following uh, the departments that your school has on Twitter and on other social channels. That's how I found out about this opportunity. And this was back in 2009 or 10, 2010, actually. So, uh, you know, most colleges have an even bigger, greater Twitter presence these days than they did back then. Uh, so follow, you know, follow your school's main account, follow your business or whichever college you're part of. You know, if you're part of the business college, follow their Twitter account, follow your school's like entrepreneurship Twitter account. If you're at all interested in startups or anything, and I, I think you should anyway, you know, unless you are like dead set on going into a big, huge, like big company industry, follow the entrepreneurship people uh, that your school has, because they're going to, they're going to have cool opportunities. Um, like, I mean, for example, there's a Des Moines startup job fair that happens uh, once every semester where students can go to, uh, I believe they meet at one of the companies here in Des Moines and then several of them are represented. There's like this whole tour we go through. I've been to it twice where we get to meet several different founders and lots of people who work at startups. That's an amazing experience. You know, whether or not you care too much about working at startups, it might just change your mind. So be open to, uh, you know, open yourself to learning about any of these opportunities because that will lead into tip number two, which is for ticket push button for ticket. Yes, this is no, this is not, (laughs) um, there, got my ticket. Please take the ticket. Number two is to simply go to opportunities as much as possible. You know, when you're a freshman or a sophomore and you haven't been in school for very long and you don't really know what you want to do, the best possible thing you can do for yourself is to expose yourself to as many opportunities for professional development and, and relationship building as you can. So even if it's scary, be willing to go to these kind of events, be willing to do these things, you know, uh, just, yeah, get out there and, and do them. So, uh, let me double click my iPhone here and look at the next one. Okay. So number three, uh, this goes back to my experience working in the Solution Center, tech support department, reading the bastard operator from hell comics and all that kind of stuff. I guess they're just stories. Um, start early in learning about your industry and learning, you know, the technical sides of it, the business sides of it, what, you know, software is used, what best practices there are, what news is going on in the industry. Just, you know, expose yourself to that kind of stuff. Because if you're able to develop some sort of mentorship or, uh, you know, some sort of relationship with somebody who's a professional in the industry, you want to come off as like that really on the ball, ambitious student who knows what the hell is going on. 
most students exude an air of naivety. You know, I hope I pronounced that right. They exude an air of like, you know, student, right? They, they, that's the image they put off. I'm a student. I'm a blank slate. You know, I don't really know much yet. I'm kind of like trying to make my way, but I'm just going through classes. And if you can be the student who's like, yes, I'm that, but I'm also ahead of the game because I'm looking ahead into the industry and I'm kind of immersing myself into it now, you're going to massively massively impress the people who work in the industry. They're going to, you know, I, I heard this a lot. And I don't want to brag, but I heard a lot that you are ahead of the game, Tom. You want to be the student that's hearing those words from people who are a few years ahead of you already working. You want to hear you're the person who's ahead of the game and getting into your industry as soon as you can is the best way to do that. Now you can do that by reading blogs, by following the industry news, but you can also do it by looking for opportunities for extracurriculars or part-time jobs that are in your major area. You know, being part of the tech support department was a huge uh, thing for me because I learned how to fix computers. I learned how IT works. I didn't know how computer networking worked before I took that job. And then I had to learn because it was my job. Um, not only did I become the person who could go fix girls' computers, uh, <laughs> but also I became the person who knew what I was talking about when I was talking to somebody at a professional networking event, you know? So be that person, look for those opportunities and expose yourself to news. Uh, so number four, take any opportunity that you can get to get a mentor. If it's something like what I did, uh, with a professional networking event where you're matched the mentor, uh, do your best to, you know, get something like that and then cultivate that relationship as best you can uh, during and afterwards. So, well, you know, with my mentor, I made sure to make the conversation as good as I could possibly make it during the event. And immediately afterwards, I made sure to email him. I thanked him for his time. I made it clear that I would love to meet up again, even if I could just like take him to lunch. And that's what ended up spurring it on, you know, that I was able to go visit multiple times. In fact, now that I'm remembering it, uh, one of the visits, he actually came up to Ames and um, I don't think he came to my dorm or anything, but he, he wanted me to show him around the school and show him the area where I was learning. He was that invested in my development because we built that relationship. So build relationships and look for mentors. You can also do job shadows where uh, you can just basically email somebody or ask your career advisor to help set this up where you can take a day to shadow somebody who works in the industry that you're looking at going into. Uh, not only do you get a taste of what it's like to work there and you kind of get to see what they do every day, but you're also liable to build a relationship with that person, you know? Uh, so definitely do that. Tip number five. Uh, it is actually, that, that was tip number five. I'm sorry for dis uh, misleading you. That wasn't a double tip. Okay, tip number six. Uh, do what you can to impress everyone in the hiring chain, right? So not just the mentor, not just the person who's going to make the actual yay or nay decision on the interview, but the secretary, the recruiter you meet at the, uh, the career event, the dude you do a job shadow with, the person you pass in the hallway. You know, I remember when uh, my mentor was showing me around the company, he introduced me to several people that worked in the computer networking department. Uh, you know, I don't think I ever saw those people again. They were probably in a different department where I did my internship. But I made sure to shake those people's hands, remember their names, and just generally try to make a good impression. You want to be seen as the person who really cares, you know, who really gives a crap, who's really into it. And, um, you know, because people in the hiring chain, no matter where they are, they might have an influence over whether or not you get hired. And also, it's just part of being a decent human being. I think showing interest in people makes them happy. So make people happy, show interest in them. All right, and uh, my last tip is be ready for the interview anyway. 
So, you know, I, I kind of played up the fact that I got this job without an interview. It was awesome, totally unexpected. But to be completely realistic here, most likely to get a job, you're going to have to do an interview. You may have to do a phone interview and then a Skype interview and then an in-person interview and then a second in-person interview and a giant group interview. You know, there's plenty of interview types. I know my friend Quentin had to do uh, two different group interviews, each like multiple hours long before he got his job. So uh, prepare for interviews, no common interview questions, know how you would answer these questions. And my big tip here, do practice interviews. Your school probably offers practice interviews with people who work in professional industries, not just, uh, you know, teachers and stuff. Uh, they have, at least my school had times when you could sign up to come do one. So take that opportunity. It's really, really, really useful. Uh, just, you know, having an experience of going into a room and talking to somebody about your qualifications, about whether or not you are right for a job, having that experience on your belt makes it so much less nerve wracking when you actually go and do a real one. Uh, the difference is night and day, you know? Um, and I've been doing interviews since I was 14 years old. So interviews are, you know, not nerve wracking at all for me at this point. But for you, it might be different. So do what you can to get some experience under your belt, some low-risk experience. You can also interview with companies you might not be interested in just to see, but also to get some experience. And, you know, that's going to help you when you get to something that you really care about and that's really making you sweat. So those are my seven tips and my story. We've gone for about half an hour here, so I'm going to start wrapping it up. But hopefully this is something that was uh, useful to you we will do more career-based stuff in the future, though. I mean, I'm going to be honest right now, at least on a YouTube channel, um, you know, studying and motivation and academic stuff is where my heart's at. Um, and the reason for that, I mean, I realized as a student, which is, you know, the bulk of my time running College Info Geek, I was very interested in getting a career, you know, and then eventually becoming an entrepreneur and just being an efficient person outside of my studies. So, for a college blog, there was surprisingly little explicitly academic-based content on there. So I really wanted to build out my uh, my library of that. So that's why you see lots of videos on note-taking and motivation. And uh, the latest, latest one was dropping classes. Um, so, But we will be doing more creative uh, or career-based stuff and also personal finance stuff. Though if you want that, you can always get it on Listen Money Matters, which is the other podcast I co-host, which is, uh, straight up warning here, a little more profane than this one. Not it's not too bad, but it's not like squeaky clean. Um, but it's still I think it's good information. So uh, you can find that at listenmoneymatters.com if you're interested. And that's all I got for you guys today. So hey, if you found this useful and you want to support the show, then uh, at the show notes, which are at cigpodcast.com, there is a link that shows you exactly how to rate and review the show on iTunes. If you use iTunes or you have iTunes, that helps it. Uh, drive up the rankings and helps more students see it. And, you know, if you, we, we can help more students get careers and pay off their debt and study more effectively, then you're making the world a better place, right? So I guess that's the altruistic uh, <laughs> persuasion here, but also it makes me happy to see the show grow. So if you want to do that, uh, that's awesome. If not, that's cool too. I'm happy to just help you guys out. Uh, so that's it. And, uh, hey, if you want to find my favorite resources and apps and tools for making your college life easier, you can find those at collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. And uh, there's also videos coming out every week, so check out the YouTube channel. And that's all I got. So stay cute. I'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the College Info Geek Podcast. 
grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com.